Listening Dog Media. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Offside Rule, we get it. It's brought to you by Continental Tyres. Hello, this is the Offside Rule, we get it podcast. And today we're recording on International Women's Day from Wembley, all part of an event put on by women in football. I'm joined by Kate Borsay, and you're my regular partner today. (laughs) Regular partner anyway. (laughs) Yeah, we've had a brilliant day so far here today, and you can probably hear it all still rumbling on in the background. The great thing about these events is not only have we had a Google Hangout, we've been uh, hearing from Enia Luco and Leanne Sanderson, Kim Little, and uh, some of the international women who are in action at the moment over in the Cyprus Cup. But we're also, of course, getting the chance to network and meet other inspiring, powerful women who work in football. We want to celebrate that, so we're doing something slightly different. So the regular voices you're going to hear are myself, Lindsay Hooper, Kate Borsay, we just heard from. And then we're going to have a guest hot seat, influential (laughs) women in football, to join us on each topic. We've not done this before, have we? The female take on football. This is what we're going to talk about then. We're going to talk about Women's Super League as topic two. The Women's Super League is going to be starting very soon and we're going to talk about the teams in WSL 1 that we think will qualify for, for Europe. There's Champions League spaces up for grabs. Uh, the top two spots will go and qualify for Europe. So let's talk about that with somebody. We've got a very special guest coming up to talk with us about that. Influential women in football as well. Uh, that's going to be our final topic. We're going to divide it because there are some influential women in football and we take a serious look at things and we're also going to talk, take the more obscure because sometimes there's, there's women making influences without even us even knowing about it and I know that Anna Kessel who's joining us for that chat has got a really good one uh, but we're going to start with uh, Premier League because 10 games to go now in the Premier League season it's all hotting up and I know that we talked about our predictions Kate earlier on in the season about who we thought were going to finish where I don't want us to repeat too much on that but with 10 games to go I think it's important for us to look at the form book look at which teams are doing well right now and the run-in till the end of the season and we can't deny that there have been a few upsets it isn't like it's all gone clockwork for all the top teams since we last spoke about this in January so it'll be exciting to see if our opinions differ and of course we've got a different opinion to throw into the mix as well today so we'll get our first guest into a hot seat and I'm going to call her over uh, this is actually a familiar voice to the podcast because she's guest hosted with us once before but hot from being 
amongst the trouble, unfortunately, at Aston Villa. We're going to ask, have to ask you about that. Carrie Brown joins us, who's a broadcaster and reporter for BN Sport. Carrie, uh, first of all, tell us about where you've come from, because yesterday you were at the FA Cup game, weren't you? I was. It's a derby. It's a late kickoff. Question about whether that was the wisest thing. They did have a police presence. They did have stewards, but stewards in front of West Brom fans rather than in front of Villa. And I haven't seen this in a long time. Enough fans on the pitch before the final whistle. It's just idiocies. There were other Villa fans just shouting, why are you ruining this for us? And that's really the big question. Um, and then also spoke to both managers after, neither condoned that, but um, also spoke to Fabienne, who really interestingly was trying to make light of it, but was really shaken up. He had his captain's armband taken off him. He thought fans were going to kiss him. They started nibbling his neck and biting at him. Come on, Villa fans, it's a bit strange. That's taking hero worship a little fast, mob mentality. But not being as reported as much or, or maybe caught on camera as much with the seats being thrown down from West Brom end onto onto the Villa fans, saw one with a big head injury having to be treated in the tunnel, another guy being led off by his grandfather who'd been hit in the head. If it had been his grandfather, dread to think how he would have struggled with that shot. So I know it's a local derby, lads, but there will be repercussions from that. And and I like Tony Pulis coming out and literally saying, I don't care which club they think they represent. Ban them. Ripping out seats, throwing them down, violence. Out of the game, please. Aston Villa may feature in this because, of course, they're in trouble when it comes to Premier League. That's FA Cup and they're doing well there. But when you look at their domestic form, it's not been so hot. Um, What I want us to look at is the top four places in the Premier League. So we're looking at Champions League and also at the bottom of the table as well, who's going to get relegated. So in terms of form and running, let's have a look at a couple of teams that we think are going to do well and and ones that maybe will slip up. Well, I think... I'm sure we probably all agree that uh, Manchester City and Chelsea are uh, red-hot favourites, absolutely fine to kind of um, stay in those positions. And I think that, that with a game in hand, Manchester City behind them as well, I don't see anyone threatening those two places. The big conversation, as far as I'm concerned, is who's going to get those last two remaining Champions League berths. And, of course, we've got really three contenders. OK, you could look at Southampton, you could look at Spurs, but they're both wavering a little bit, and I'm not confident that they're going to put in a great you know, end-of-season end of run. So, really, we're looking at, aren't we, Arsenal, Manchester United and Liverpool and who we think from those three teams is going to do the job. In terms of the top of the Premier League, can we get as exciting as last season when the league uh, leaders changed 25 times? Uh, And in fact, Manchester City only spent 15 days at the top of the Premier League last season, but they ended up clinching it. I don't think we'll have that kind of drama again when it comes to the top of the table. Um, But yeah, I'm going to give my punts quickly before I hand over and we'll open the discussion up a little bit. I'm going Arsenal. For me, uh, why on earth would they upset what they've done for the last 17 years? Wenger's a mastermind at gaining this Champions League place, at making sure that he establishes that. Aaron Ramsey's coming back. Possibly Jack Wilshere will be back before the end of the season as well. With those two players on side, I can't see them slipping up. In terms of United and Liverpool, and that's the main argument for me, Manchester United or Liverpool, of course I'm going to go with Liverpool. I'm a Liverpool fan, but there's a good reason. Manchester United, how long can they continue playing badly and picking up results? The flip side to that is, will they start playing well in these final last 10 games of the season? Let's look at Liverpool. Brendan Rodgers has that team playing brilliantly, but they're still poor defensively. How long can they carry on getting results with a poor defence? For me, I've gone Liverpool because I just think that they're going to carry on that good run of form. Brendan Rodgers is a great manager, as is Louis van Gaal as well, but I think it comes down to a battle of the managers, and for me, Rodgers is going to win that battle with his team already in form and flying as we go into the final ten. In, interesting you point that out, because Manchester United, I'm going to weigh in before we hand over to Carrie for hers, um, 
they've actually got five of the current top seven teams, haven't they, to go? It is remarkable. They literally, of course, the FA Cup match, but then it's Manchester United, Arsenal, Manchester United, Tottenham, Liverpool, Manchester United, Manchester United, Aston Villa, bit of a respite maybe, then Manchester United, Manchester City. It's boom or bust for me. They're either going to go there. <laughs> two, two big games. They've got the FA Cup match at home to Arsenal. They've got Manchester United, Tottenham. That Two big home games, two big wins at Old Trafford could set them on the way or it's going to be complete implosion. And do you want to break the news as well to Kate will oh, say no, that Liverpool's running Liverpool's running isn't much easier, is it? No. no, and that's really tough. And I think with Liverpool, I go on theory of depth of squad and I know they've really struggled without storage. It's really coming and being a boost. Coutinho's really come on, really exciting times with Liverpool. I just think if injury, though could really destabilise them. Arsenal, I agree with you, Kate, very much. Of course they'll do it again. And I'm not going to rule out Tottenham. Oh, OK. okay. Neither am I. Neither oh. am I. I'm with you. Harry Kane, come on. I mean, it's ridiculous. And people still saying, is it a bit of a blip? We can never see him again. I don't think this is a sort of talent that's a blip and we won't. he's going to vanish into obscurity. He's given them a huge amount of confidence. He wins matches for them time and time again. Hugo Lloris, they have a world-class goalkeeper. I think they just could. So if there's implosions at Manchester United, if Liverpool suffer an injury, it's still very close there. I'm going to say that I'm not ruling Southampton out. Southampton have perhaps the better running of of most of those vying to get into Champions League spaces. I think I'm right, though. The the only reason I wasn't going to edge in Southampton there, because I would like them and I think they could do it with their running, is I think their last game of the season is Manchester City at Manchester City, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, that is true. And all of the games are going to count now, aren't they? Um, There's a part of me that really wants Southampton to do it. Uh, I will root for the underdog. Um, Let's let's look at the bottom of the table. Um, So I'm going to pitch in here with Hull and Crystal Palace, because obviously at the moment they're both in the thick of, of the relegation battle, but both had changes and, and aren't in the bottom three as we record this podcast. Um, they both have horrible-looking run-ins, though. So I think out of Hull and Crystal Palace, one of those might face some trouble. Um, Leicester, the amount of people that I've spoken to that have said, don't write, write Leicester off. A few journos around different football grounds when, I, when I've been reporting at Premier League games have said Leicester have been one of the better sides in that bottom eight that we've watched. They've got the quality to stay up, if you, if you believe. Um, we'll have to see. But in terms of who you think might, might pop it, who do you think? Well, do you remember in the last podcast in January, I said Aston Villa would go unless they had a change of manager and you had a massive pop at me and started laying into me in your usual way about oh yes you can't have that caveat but lo and behold Aston Villa have changed their manager just call me Mystic Meg so the chances of them staying in the Premier League yes they're better but I'm still really really concerned and I don't think what happened at the weekend was a great display of why they should stay in the Premier League but I am still concerned about Leicester I had Burnley to survive the last time we spoke about this Um, I am a little bit more worried about Burnley now Queen's Park Rangers I just think they're up and down there all over the place and I'm not confident that they're going to do it. Sunderland, I had to go down. Yes, we, we all did, didn't we? Yeah, and, I, and I'm not still convinced about them either. So at the moment, I would probably go with Leicester, Burnley and Sunderland. I'm potentially putting Hull with Sunderland and, yeah. and Burnley to go down. I, I don't think Burnley will do it. Uh, but Burnley, QPR, it could be Burnley, QPR, Sunderland, Burnley, QPR, Hull. One of those combinations. Uh, West Brom, by the way, to add insult to injury off the back of the game that, that you just got back from, Carrie. Um, they've apparently got the toughest... If you look at all of the fixtures and if you look at all the averages that people get, <laughs> West Brom have got the worst run in. 
they have. And from what I saw, I'm sorry, of both Aston Villa and West Brom, it's very clear they're in the position they are. I know what Tony Pulis can do in terms of defence. That might be the only thing that saves them. Tim Sherwood has a lot of work to do. Like the guy a lot, like the confidence he's given them, but I'm not sure they are good enough to stay up. It's going to be tough for them with their running. Um, I'm sorry, Burnley, I'm sorry, Leicester, but I think writing's on the wall. I have seen too many good performances from QPR in which they haven't got results and they've been up against big teams that I think they might surprise everyone and stay up. They are... They have a lot of quality on that field. They have a quality and a cohesion on teams that I don't see from that relegation group. They keep on not getting results, but they keep on putting on quality performances. Maybe that will just finally tell. Okay, thank you very much. It's time to get that hot seat going hot. (laughs) Thank you very much for joining us, Carrie. Absolute pleasure. Right, we're going to welcome in another guest. And this time we've got Francesca Brown, who runs Goals for Girls. And uh, she's going to talk about WSL. Check out exclusive football content daily on OffsideRulePodcast.com. So we've managed to get Francesca to come and join us. Francesca Brown, so just explain to us a little bit about your role because you, you've actually founded Goals for Girls. Yeah, um, Goals for Girls. Well, I used to play for um, the under-16 Manchester City lot and I realised that when I wanted to go to America, um, there was no pathway after, unfortunately, I had a groin injury. There was no pathway for me to take on from there. So I decided to, um, when I moved to London at the tender age of 18, I decided to um, start running my own football coaching um, campus, shall I say, within schools and it's just developed from there really um the girls were really interested they were ecstatic like they had a female coach so what I just started doing was I thought there was a brilliant niche here for the young girls so I founded my own development center um and it's a development program which which develops the young girls with mentoring um we do inspirational speaking we do um trips a lot of these girls have not even been outside of london and we do educational programs and qualifications alongside football training which builds their confidence self-esteem and everything like that so yeah so joining us for a wsl chat is pretty good because you may even be producing or crossing paths with some of the girls that will be playing in that league in the future yeah, definitely. I've got an amazing girl at the moment. She just got signed to Leighton Orient. And seriously, she, she's she's a star to watch out for. Definitely. What's her name? Aisha, Aisha Jabby. OK, we'll look out for that name going forward in WSL seasons. We are going to focus because we're focusing on the top. We've just done Topic 1 with Carrie Brown and we were talking about Premier League. So we're going to talk about the women, Women's Super League and we're going to talk about WSL 1 um, and focus our efforts there. So going into a brand new season, which is about to start, we've obviously got the Women's World Cup as as well, which is this summer, which is going to break things up slightly. All of these things, by the way, have a factor to play. But the top two sides will qualify for Champions League. Uh, we've seen Birmingham go on a really great run in Champions League recently, and Arsenal, of course, have got many honours to their name. But who do we think are going to be there this year? So, should we start with our guest, Kate? Yes, why not? Okay, so Francesca, yeah, the top two finishers, who do you think it will be? I definitely think at the moment Arsenal um, and Chelsea. You're going for both London clubs. Uh, Why are you going for these? Um, Well, Arsenal, I just think they're a well-represented women's club within within England. And um, as for Chelsea, I like Maya Lucas. (laughs) You're a bit of a fan of any, aren't you? Yes, I am. I'm a a, a major fan of her. I love her her beliefs and her values around women in sport. And I just think that she is basically a force to be reckoned with. 
I agree with you, but maybe one, one player can't win the WSL. I'll just put that back to you. <laughs> we'll talk about signings then, key signings that we think could make a difference. Um, I'm going to start by talking about Arsenal because Arsenal won everything for years and years and years. They had um, what would be perceived to be perhaps a couple of rocky seasons for their standards uh, over the last two seasons. Are they going to end up winning more? Are they going to end up being WSL1 winners and preventing Liverpool from doing the treble because Liverpool are on for a hat-trick of WSL titles? Um, I think they've got all the ingredients here to start it off because not only have they got a new boss, they've got new signings as well. Pedro Martinez is the new Arsenal ladies' boss, if people weren't aware of that. Four new signings that he's brought in, which I think are really going to be key. One which I'm going to let you expand on, Francesca, because I know it's Leanne Sanderson who you want to talk about, but she She's gone from Boston Breakers. There's Gemma Rose from Bristol City. Natalia, who's yeah. a Spanish striker, who's, who's been brilliant um, down in Bristol. Uh, but the one that I'm really excited about, Vicky Lasada from Barcelona. I think that could be one of the key signings of the season. And I think that Arsenal will finish in the top two. But I will tell you where I think they will finish in terms of one or two in a second. Kate? OK, well, uh, a couple of key signings for me, first of all. I don't think Liverpool will go and do it for a third consecutive season. They were lucky last season weren't there and Chelsea desperately unlucky so I've plumped for Chelsea to win the league this time I just think they, they've got talent there which is still on a mission when we spoke to any in fact I spoke to any at the, before the start of last season she said you know there's a lot going on at the club they made quite a few key signings and their ambition was very much to take the league by the scruff of the neck and do it and they nearly did it last year so let's not be mistaken about the fact that Chelsea are still on a mission and they are still hungry having gone so close last season they're going to want to finish the job off. Eni Aluko, of course, very much the linchpin of the Chelsea side. They've also signed Gemma Davison as well. Um, I know that uh, the podcast was down at the Chelsea training ground yesterday, so you can have a have, have a little look at the uh, website, offsiderulepodcast.com, for our report um, on that uh, training. Jen Offord went for us to uh, report in on what the Chelsea ladies are up to, but I very much fancy them for the WSL title. Arsenal... It, it is a rejuvenated Arsenal. New manager, new players, lots of good talent coming in. Boy, did they flounder at the start of last season. And they will never repeat that again. That was a big warning sign. Of course, the manager changed, left Shelley, uh, left to uh, go up to Scotland. And... Uh, for them, it's about re-establishing their authority within this league. But I still think Chelsea are going to do it. So you're going Chelsea first, Arsenal yeah. second. I think I'm with you, actually. I think Notts County and Liverpool will be in up there fighting yeah. but um how about you then i'm sticking with my guns arsenal then chelsea <laughs> you're going the other way around yes, so you're going yes i am and tell us why leanne sanderson's one of your favorite players i just think she's just such a down-to-earth girl um she's just such an inspiration for all like all the young women out there she's so bubbly as well very recognizable yes very recognizable and she's a she's a she's a woman um who a lot of young women can relate with um where she's where with i even though i work in east london a lot of the girls relate with her of how she she found it challenging to get into football and she started at a young age and she had to work her way up and she had the influences of boys saying, oh, you can't do this and people watching her. She just fought through it and I just think that's just amazing and an amazing inspiration for young women out there. A uh, key player that I want to mention quickly is um, the first player from Africa to compete in the Women's Super League and that's with the arrival of the Nigerian signing Asisat Oshiola to uh, Liverpool. Great signing for Matt Beard and the team there. She won the Golden Boots and uh, the Golden Ball as player of the tournament 
moments at last year's Under-20 World Cup finals. Uh, and, of course, she's going to be not only uh, setting her sights on tearing up Merseyside, but she'll also, of course, have this fantastic standing and this responsibility on her shoulders um, that someone from the African game has actually come over to the, to the WSL. So I think that's going to be hugely important. And um, Matt Beard said of her, uh, of course, if you want to know what she's like, she's not the finished article, but she's got pace, power, and she certainly knows where the goal is. So I think she'll be pretty exciting. Francesca, thank you for joining us for Topic 2. Uh, can you also give us a, a quick plug for your website and what you do? Um, so you can follow me on www.twitter.com forward slash goals for girls UK or you can follow obviously all our images and um, what the girls have been up to on instagram.com forward slash goals for girls. Keep up the good work. You're one of our inspirational women on International Women's Day. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Well, before we move on to topic number three, we're going to be joined by Anna Kessel, who's a journalist for both The Observer and The Guardian, but also the co-founder of Women in Football. So we'll talk to her shortly. Uh, we're going to go over for Twitter topic of the week. Uh, would you like to give Sean his intro this week? This week, we've challenged you all to give us an inspirational woman in football. So you've dished out the role models and let's find out who you've uh, put up for the award. Twitter topic of the week. As it is an International Women's Day special, uh, we've been asking you for your inspirational women in football for Twitter topic of the week this week. Uh, Kieran's been on and said that we're going to struggle to fit this into 30 minutes. You're spot on with that, Kieran. We, we, have, we have struggled. Too much to talk about. Uh, we've got Natasha, who's suggested all of the ladies of the Bendit musical. I'm guessing that's the Bendit like Beckham. Uh, just a ball game has gone for our Just a Ball Game patron, Andy Worrell. Jill Coulthard's thrown in Linda Whitehead into the mix. Uh, Eleanor Preston's gone for Patricia Gregory. Uh, Harriet Drudge has gone for the Women in Football Board for their amazing work breaking down barriers for women in the game. Hashtag she belongs. Richard Hobbs has gone for Jackie Oatley, and he says that she's been a pioneer for females in football broadcasting. Uh, Craig Keefe has gone for Shan Massey, who says that she's an amazing official and spotted every offside, although does say that he hasn't seen her officiate lately. George Renardi's also gone for Jackie Oatley. Uh, Kelly Wells has gone for Amy Lawrence, uh, saying she's a great writer, original point of view, and puts up with Claridge's nonsense like a pro. And who is keeping score has gone for their cousin Carol, uh, who's been an underage international 10 years ago, and she made her first senior start for Ireland yesterday. Cheers to everyone who got in touch for Twitter Topic of the Week this week. I've been Sean, and I will hand you back to the girls. Thank you very much, Sean. Uh, we're going to stick with that inspirational women theme. Um, we've got influential women on the podcast today, and joining us next is Anna Kessel. Anna, I want you—I don't know even know where to begin because you've written about football um, and you, you've been a very influential journalist in your time. But also, women in football—it's got on a huge tirade at the moment with a few campaigns. So, um, where do you want to begin? I love that word tirade. <laughs> <laughs> Some people might think we're on a tirade. Um, yeah, we launched a cam- we launched a campaign last week um, about sexist abuse on match days which was something that was not at all on the football agenda quite surprisingly um, and you know footage has emerged of really offensive chanting and hopefully this is now going to change football's attitude about sexism and the discrimination that women face. It's so important as well I think one of the examples that was given um, as you held the event here at Wembley today was about the back of the the FA Cup and League Cup tickets that there are instructions for people who are in the crowd about what might happen if you are caught doing racist chanting or abusive chanting but there was nothing to do with sexism in there. Yeah, I mean, this is the, this is the really funny thing. Everybody 
says, oh, sexism, oh, you can't possibly change that about football, you know, it's just part of football, it's banter. Well, actually, there's already all this legislation and all these reporting lines that are set up for every other form of discrimination. It's not that difficult. You just put the word sexism on the ticket or on the poster or on, you know, in your educational training programmes. It just slots in alongside everything else. Um, I think we've probably all encountered a fair bit of sexism, whether we've been reporting on the game or we've been at a press conference, whatever, and I think, um, you know, my, my sort of number one irk is, and I've been lucky to never have been surrounded by a chance or kind of anything openly antagonistic but what I would say is that when I've dressed up before to go to the football if I've been invited uh, to perhaps go in up, up to the chairman's office or room or perhaps I've been invited there by a member of the board or something if I've dressed up because I've had to to go to the football um, I'm often just called a footballer's wife you know yeah. or a wag we've had that together yeah. haven't we yeah fans fans will walk past and go oh, oh well she must be a wag but particularly Chelsea <laughs> but I have to say really um, I want to throw into Anna as well as a journalist because you were one of the, well, not the first, because obviously you're not that old, but certainly certainly one of the first talked about, I, I would add, onto the end of that. I think you, you got quite a lot of press yourself off the back of some of the articles that you've written. How did you find that, and what were the responses like to, you, to some of the papers? That's quite an interesting question, actually. I think, you know, when I started 10 years ago, um, there already were pioneers like Julie Welsh and Amy Lawrence was on my paper. Um, so I felt like, oh, it should be quite an easy trajectory. They've already done it. But, and then I was quite surprised that I'd go into the press box and I would be the only woman and there might be some smutty comments or someone would, would mistake me for a, a wag or whatever it was. One of my friends actually got mistaken for a tea lady at a match. She was holding a laptop and one of the journalists came over and said, oh, we really hate the cakes this week. Can you make sure that they're better and she was like what tea lady has a laptop <laughs> um, but you know all that kind of stuff and the if you get a really great story then oh how did you get that story did you flirt your way through the interview you know like, absolute rubbish um so yeah been there done it got the t-shirt well let's celebrate the fact that we have made strides forward i know that there's still a lot for us that can be done um we'll mention that she belongs is the hashtag that you're wanting people to use to to highlight women who work in the game and who belong in the game um, and also just give one final plug as well to the, the campaign that's going on yes so that's hashtag shame on the game which obviously isn't that popular in some quarters but we really feel it's important to shine a light on sexist abuse and we want to give women the confidence and men to come forward and acknowledge that it that it is wrong and it's only by reporting it that things are going to change so coming back to the positive strides we've made, we've got some really influential women who work in football now. And what I've asked each of you to do, I've tasked you with choosing one and, and bringing someone to the table. Obviously, there are so many we could have mentioned, so we do apologise that we've had to feather this down. But it is only a short podcast, so that's why. Um, we'll go with one each, and we'll also talk about women in football that might have had an influence we're not so aware of. In the, it might be a story that you've heard or an own personal experience. Uh, starting with our guest, Anna. So Inspirational Women of the Week is absolutely, for me, got to be. BBC sports journalist Natalie Perks who of course you know did this whole investigative report into sexist chanting she was the one who uncovered uh, the horrific abuse at Old Trafford um, you know a great report in itself but actually the backstory of it is even more impressive I think she had to go to her bosses um, and remember this is the BBC so really really strict editorial guidelines on what you can and can't do there were no reports of sexist chants on match days last season not one and she had to convince them that this was a problem and get them to invest time in it and effort um, the fact that she managed to do that she worked on it for weeks and weeks I think is extraordinary and you know as you can all see the result 
thought has been that the whole nation, actually the whole world, has been talking about her story. It went as far as New Zealand. That's brilliant. I, I felt that, in particular, the, the highlighting of what's been happening to the, the Chelsea team doctor, some of the chance that they managed to... I couldn't believe, actually, there was footage of that uh, and the fact that nothing was done about it there and then. It is extraordinary. I know that we've met Eva before and um, heard a little bit about it behind closed doors, but I'm glad that it's come into the press and I'm glad that it's got an airing. Who is your influential woman? I've actually gone with someone who Anna has interviewed in the past and I um, decided to look up this lady because our own Harriet Drudge was at uh, the first ever FIFA Women's Football in Leadership Conference uh, last week. She was telling me about the inspirational panel of speakers there, one of whom is Aisha Johansson. She's the president of the Sierra Leone Football Association, one of only two female FA presidents in the world. Um, And I know that you interviewed her as well, um, Anna, but she, in uh, her article with you, what kind of um, jumped out to me was the battle she had to become... Um, president of the Sierra Leone FA, which even got physical at one point. But also her fight in trying to get the country to take Ebola seriously and the fact that she was incredibly alarmed about it from early on, but it was very much, no, 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 everything's going to be OK. Of course, it wasn't OK, and the league ended up getting up, getting suspended for a, a certain period of time. And, of course, it did get serious. But for me, she appears to be... In, very determined lady, fierce about not signing up to the barriers involved in football and particularly within the African game as well. And um, her zero tolerance on corruption, which we've heard about uh, in some African countries, is one to be applauded. I think also the fact that, that she's president of an FA in a country that's been through a long civil war. So all sorts of challenges thrown at her. Just tell me what she was like to talk to. She was, she was amazing. I mean, not only what she's done in her football career, but even before then, she started out as a journalist and she launched this magazine, I think, 20, 30 years ago. Um, and the first ever issue of it dealt with um, homosexuality in Africa, which you can imagine at that time was a huge taboo. Uh, she was struggling just to scrape the money together to pull off this magazine. Um, she and Kanya King, who founded the Mobos, shared a, literally a table in Euston to, to try and launch this thing. Um, and you can see how far both women have come since. It's quite incredible. But um, she told me stories about, you know, as president, she's had journalists go on the national radio and call her a prostitute, um, all sorts of horrific things. And in fact, even after I'd written the article, I then got roundly abused on Twitter by various people in Sierra Leone um, for, you know, speaking to her in the first place and, and writing about her. And they said, oh, there's, there's, you know, this is all nonsense. There's no problem with sexism in Sierra Leone or any part of African football. Um, it was all quite absurd. I'm going to go with the only female board member on the FA, which is Heather Rabatz. I know that she obviously gets a lot of press in the UK. Um, also, uh, she holds a role, doesn't she, at Millwall. She's executive deputy chair for Millwall Football Club. And I think the reason why I'm highlighting her as a completely influential woman, apart from the absolutely blindingly obvious that she's the only female on the FA board, the other thing that I really want to mention about her is, is the fact that she's challenging things in that position because it would be very easy wouldn't it to be in that position and sit on that board and not actually do what we're wanting you to do as as females who who work in football we want certain things answered Um, and one of the things that I thought was really important that she did recently and I think Greg Dyke is under sort of pressure and scrutiny as a result of it is she spoke out about the fact that this all-male commission was put together and it was set up all white all male there was no minorities covered there weren't any females on the on that commission either and I think it was really important that at that point she 
spoke out in the position that she's in. And I think she holds a lot of weight. I think she was also someone that people went to when there was the whole Ched Evans case, and she spoke very well and, and eloquently about that as well. And as a really influential person going forward, I think she is going to have a real influence when it comes to what we achieve on the pitch in women's football, off the pitch, um, as, as journalists, as people who appreciate, as, as fans of, of the men's and women's games. So I think there's a lot resting on her shoulders, but I think she's doing an admirable job. I'm Gary Neville, and you're listening to The Offside Rule. So we don't like to end our podcast on a very serious note. I don't know whether you've picked up on that, Anna. <laughs> yeah. um, Kate, yours first. Mine isn't particularly funny, so it's a good job that, it's a good job that you came to me first. But I just wanted to recognise the mums, the single mums uh, who uh, ferry their uh, footballing stars around. These, of course, are the young kids who come on to become stars of the future, whether in the Premier League or the Women's Premier League. And I've picked out a couple of uh, Women's Premier League players whose uh, mums have done a fine job in investing their time in, and, and their trust in their daughter's career because, of course, uh, when uh, both these players, it's Jess Clark and Tash Harding, were youngsters, the women's game wasn't semi-professional, it wasn't uh, as established as it is now, so they were taking a real leap of faith, I guess, investing so much time in their daughters, and they didn't do it, of course, because they wanted something back. They did it because it made their daughters happy and they recognised how important it was. Uh, no big, flashy Premier League clubs here. You know, these are mums who were taking a punt on their daughters and, and, incre- and, and investing great time in them so I want to give a shout to Tash Harding she's now of course just about to go to America isn't she to go and play for Washington Spirit and Notts County's Jess Clark's mum both single mums in fact Jess's mum worked night shifts so she had to uh, try and negotiate getting home from football um, late at night uh, whilst her mum was at work and all the other issues that that uh, involved but yeah two single mums they're really doing it for their daughters in sport I think we should do an honorary an honorary female. So you know how you go to some awards and people are honoured? Um, I think we should make John Terry, give him a skirt for an evening and give him an award. Because you know that he saved Chelsea Ladies Football Club. Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah. You don't have much more to say on that, do you? No, she doesn't. She's actually, she doesn't like him either. I know that we all sit here as women and think there's some things that he's conducted himself, but he's, he's done his, his own little bit there for Chelsea Ladies. And if they go on, as we were predicting earlier, to win the WSL1... He'll have a big part to have played in that. I hope he's not going to pop up in the trophy award-winning picture, (laughs) because that would be hilarious. (laughs) He probably will. Um, There you go, you've got some comedy. Um, Anna Kessel. So, on a more serious note, one of the women that I want to celebrate is probably more traditionally known as a wag, but she's turned out to be the main breadwinner in her family through... Um, sort of change in, in circumstance. So Fabrice Mwamba's wife, Shauna Mwamba, um, started out life as, uh, well, she started out life having a master's degree, married Fabrice, became a wag, didn't quite fit the bill because she's far too intelligent to, mm-hmm. you know, just spend her days shopping. Um, anyway, Fabrice used to come home and complain about the food at Bolton. And she was an amazing cook. She's born in Jamaica. And she started making him a bit of jerk chicken, a bit of curry goat. And he would take it to training. And sure enough, his teammates start to ask, where did you get that food from? Can I have some? So she started cooking for more and more of the team. Word got round. Next thing, she was catering for like Rio Ferdinand, Ashley Young and all sorts of people. Of course, as we know, Fabrice Mwamba's life then changed radically. Uh, he had a cardiac arrest, famously, on, at White Hart Lane. Um, and because of how it changed his footballing career, um, you know, it completely affected the family's finances. And all of a sudden, Shauna began to 
grow into the role of breadwinner. She used all her intelligence, all her business now, and she produced this range of sauces called Mrs. Mwamba's. She drove it forward. There was Fabrice, you know, still struggling, recovering. It was a very slow process. It affected him, um, his memory quite uh, radically, and affected how much he could do. Of course, he learned he could no longer be a footballer, which was a really tragic sort of adjustment for him to make. In the meantime, she grew her sources range, got it out to all the supermarkets, and now she is, you know, the business success story of the family. So she is my woman to celebrate today. One more from me worth a mention, I think, is that Delia Smith, as we know from Norwich City, is a figure and a female we associate with football. And I think she is flying the flag right now. <laughs> because This is great. Waitrose. You can imagine Waitrose choosing um, a face of their magazine and and to endorse products and they had Pippa Middleton but guess what Pippa Middleton what follows Pippa's arse? Delia Smith that's what follows Um, they've actually dropped Pippa Middleton for Delia Smith obviously it's for her cooking credentials uh, rather than anything else but as being a leading lady and figure in football I think every time I go to Waitrose now I'll think of football I've met Delia a few times and she is really passionate about the team and she will talk to you a lot about the team Um, in Waitrose? uh, no I met her at Norwich City and I had the really embarrassing thing of I'd met her once and then I met her again but she clearly thought that we were maybe much better friends than we were because the second time I met her she ran up to me and gave me like a massive bear hug and she was like how are you sweetie like this and I was like okay I don't know you that well hi Delia (laughs) it was really bizarre but yeah she does actually you know genuinely have a passion for her team so fair play Uh, well that is it for our special um, uh, on International Women's Day thank you very much for joining us Anna the last person in that hot seat is it hot? It's very hot. It's horrible, isn't it, when you sit down and there's a warm seat. Oh. oh. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, we hope you enjoy this one as an International Women's Special. Thank you very much for listening to this one, an International Women's Day Special. And make sure you go to our website, offsiderulepodcast.com, where we've got many more articles on there. Some of them include women, some of them don't. Mm. We've got some great grassroots articles there, one of whom is written by a woman associated now with Dulwich Hamlet Football Club. But she's got a great footballing tale from the past about a team that she used to be involved within the South East London area. Um, can I say thank you as well to Women in Football, Anna as well, um, the organisation hosting another fantastic event at Wembley. It's at Women in Football on Twitter. If you want to give them a follow, um, sign up as well and you'll get uh, invites to the events if you're a woman involved in football. The Offside Rule will return next week and we will have Hayley McQueen back from her holiday. That's if she arrives back in one piece. I've only seen a few. What do you mean? Pictures. Well, I've only seen a few pictures via Facebook. She's having a very good time. Let's just see what kind of state she's in when she gets back. Let me just say, she's sitting next to you because I'm not having that sort of tan next to me. Bye bye. The offside rule. We get it. Is brought to you by Continental Tires. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.